Welcome to a new Carter Report series, The Game Changers. These rare individuals appear once in a lifetime, like a blazing meteor across the night sky. They change the course of history. They show us the way forward. Welcome to The Game Changers. Welcome back to The Game Changers, part two. The hero today is King David. And we're talking about his harem when he became the king. Some of the women in his life, Ahinoam, Abigail, Makar, Haggith, Abital, Egla, and Michael. And he had at least 10 concubines. Apparently he was influenced by the customs of the times. But if this tells me anything, it tells me that God must be very, very patient. But apparently one was not enough because one day David had a little nap and the Bible tells me that he's looking out the window. Second Samuel chapter 11 and verse 2 says this, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. I might remind you today that the first look is not sin, but the second one is. I've been to that very location in Jerusalem. Her house was just below the palace. Apparently, his 16 or 17 wives, including concubines, were not enough. The carnal heart always wants more. I saw a movie a number of years ago, and this villain in the program, uh, he's a member of the mafia, he's asked this question, what do you want, Rocco? What do you want, Rocco? Rocco says, what do I want? I want more. That's the cry of the carnal heart. Give me more. Give me more. What do you want? I want more. Now, 2 Samuel chapter 11, verses 3, 4, and 5. So David sent and inquired about the woman. Someone said, Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her house, and the woman conceived. So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. And of course, nobody knew about it, did they? Now, who was Uriah? He was one of the king's bodyguards, one of David's mighty men. Was Bathsheba already known to the king? I think so, because all the bodyguards would get together with their wives and have parties. So was she a sweet, innocent little thing, as I have been taught? Did she have a choice? I've had people say to me, she had no choice at all. I believe, my friend, in the power and the potency 
of saying no. Have you read the book of Esther? You read there about Vashti. And she said, no. And this woman could have said, no also. Then David sends for Uriah. He gets him drunk and says, go home to your wife. But he won't do it. I wonder how many really knew about this. And then what the king does, he writes a letter and the letter becomes the execution of a good man. He says, put him in the front of the battle and then withdraw and let him be killed. And that's what happens. All is good. Bathsheba, the disloyal wife who was hungry for power, moves into the palace. I guess it is true to say she was not the first person to sleep her way to the top and to get into the palace. It's happened before. It may even happen again. If you notice 2 Samuel 11, verse 26 and 27, 2 Samuel, when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband, and when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. There was somebody who was watching. Just as somebody is watching you and watching me. A church leader in Southern California discussing somewhat of a scandal in the church said this, we must never forget that the tape recorder is always running. It's always running. There's a record kept of every life and there is a judgment day, and you can fool everybody, including your spouse. But you can't fool God. The prophet Nathan goes to David. He tells the story of two men, one very, very rich, who's got lots and lots of sheep, and a poor man who's only got one little baby ewe lamb. And there's a visitor coming, and the wealthy man needs to put on a feast. And so what he does, rather than take one of his sheep, he goes and steals from the poor man. And he tells the story to King David, and David becomes righteously indignant, and he says, the man who did this must die. And the prophet said to him, you are the man. Just as well, it was David and wasn't King Saul. Because for all of his sins, David had a heart for God. And David repented. And his repentance was sincere. You can read about it in Psalm 51, verses 1 to 4. And David wrote most of the Psalms. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions 
and my sin is always before me. Against you only, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David had in the midst of his sin a heart for God. And God can save a man or a woman if they will repent. But if David can be saved, there's hope for every one of us because of God's amazing grace. However, listen to this, while sin may be forgiven as it was in the case of David, God does not remove the consequences. You say, no, 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 I can't believe it. While sin may be forgiven, God does not remove the consequences. Uriah, a good and a brave man dies. What did Bathsheba think in the palace? The baby dies. David prays for the baby for seven days. He won't eat. He's on the floor. They think he's going to die. But on the seventh day, the baby dies. Why does the innocent suffer? The innocent often suffers because of the sins of, of others. Not always, of course. Now listen to this. David had a number of sons. One son is a young man by the name of Amnon. He has a half-sister by the name of Tamar. And she's beautiful. A half-sister. 2 Samuel 13, 1 and 2. Look at it in the Bible. After this, Absalom, the son of David, had a lovely sister whose name was Tamar. And Amnon, the son of David, loved her, had no right to love her. Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar that he became sick, for she was a virgin. It was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon is a schemer and a conniver. He says to the king, I'm sick. Have my sister come and give me something to eat. So the king sends the beautiful Tamar, and she cooks him some food, and she feeds him with her own hand. And Amnon says, have everybody leave the room. And the Bible says, because he was stronger than she, he raped her. Now I've heard people say to me, but it was only his half-sister and it was okay back there to have relationships with family members, sort of. That is not true. Read the book of Leviticus where it is the curse of God. Not only did this man violate his sister, half-sister, by the act of rape, he committed incest. 
and unnatural sin. It is an ugly story, but it's not over. The king hears about it. The king is angry as anything. He's fighting mad. But you know what he says? He's mad. But he says nothing. How can he? He's lost his moral authority. Now look at first Kings, second rather, second Samuel thirteen, verse twenty-one and twenty-two. Second Samuel thirteen. 21 and 22. But when King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. Oh, isn't that good? And Absalom spoke to his brother Amnon, neither good nor bad. For Absalom hated Amnon because he had forced his sister Tamar. Now Tamar's brother was the best looking man in Israel. Absalom. What should the king have done? Now let me remind you of this. The king had a dual role. He was a father. And a father loves his children. But that's not enough. As the king, he was the upholder of the law of God. And therefore, he should have upheld the law and punished the violator of Tamar. You see, God has got a dual role too. Did you know this? He's a father, but he's the upholder of the law. Thank God that God did a better job of his dual responsibilities than did King David. Why is David so silent? Now we think for a moment of the tragedy of silence. David is silent because of his double sin, because of his adultery and his murder. He has lost his moral authority and therefore his lips are sealed. Have you ever wondered why all the lying that goes on in the world is not rebuked? Because it's hard for liars to rebuke liars. That's why. No moral authority. The adulterer and adulterer will not condemn an adulterer. You just apply that to our own times, please. An adulterer will not condemn an adulterer. A pedophile will not condemn a pedophile. And I've sat on boards where people have been slow to speak. And I have wondered what dirty secrets are they covering themselves? So the king won't say anything. Didn't say anything about the rape of his daughter. A liar won't condemn a liar. Bathsheba had silenced uh, the king. Now, David was forgiven. I want you all to know this. David was redeemed, but the clock of consequences was ticking. This is not something we want to hear. I've been a pastor for more than 50 years, 
and virtually every person in all of my churches has, has not accepted the truth that even though we may be forgiven, God doesn't stop the clock of consequences. People say, oh, no, no, God takes away the consequences too. No, that is not so. God will forgive, but he doesn't stop the consequences. The Apostle Paul said these words, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And David was reaping. David was now about to do a lot of reaping. Amnon rapes his sister Tamar. David remains silent. Absalom is righteously indignant. Has he got a reason to be angry? Yes, he does. A little while later, Absalom, the brother of Tamar, takes the law into his own hands. There's a big feast. Absalom, the most handsome man in Israel, goes to the king and says, will you come to a great feast? He says, I can't come, my son. He says, then can the king's sons come? All right. All the king's sons come. And then when they're all well fed and drunk, the command is given by Absalom, kill Amnon. And the swords are out. And the rapist is put to death. The clock of consequences. Now, if you look at 2 Samuel 13 and verse 37, it says this. But Absalom fled and he runs away. Went to Talmai, the son of Amminhud, king of Geshur, and David mourned for his son every day. Now, David is good at mourning and he's good at getting mad. But he has become a very indulgent father. And every time he goes to bed at night, he's got a reason to feel a little bit guilty. David had two roles. I want you to learn this. I want to teach this to you. He was a father. Therefore, a father should love. If you're, not a, you're not a good father unless you really love your children. He's also the upholder of the law of God. He's like God. When the human race sinned, God had a problem. He was a father. He loved us. But he also had to uphold the law. You know how he does it? Christ loves us and he goes to the cross and he bears the curse of the law. That's what kills him. So the son of David did a much better job than David. Absalom is allowed to return to Jerusalem after a while. He's a very good-looking boy. His hair weighs six pounds when it's cut, when they cut off his hair. <laughs> the locks weigh six pounds. And 2 Samuel 15, 5 and 6 tell us this. And so it was when anyone 
whenever anyone came near to bow down to him. This is Absalom. That he put out his hand and take him and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted towards all Israel who came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. He's a con artist. And there are many con artists today. And many people are taken in by smooth talk. So when people come, he puts his arms around them, he smooches them, he kisses them, he hugs them. He says, you know, if I was only the king, things would be so much better. And people are so gullible and we are all gullible without the common sense that comes from the reading of scripture. That almost all of the Israelites forsake David and want Absalom as king. Did you know, you can't be too hard on human beings, one third of the angels joined against God in rebellion through the Absalom who was called Satan. Only God, my friends, can give us wisdom. And wisdom is a gift from God given to people who search the scriptures. Most of Israel joined Absalom in rebellion against David. It all started when David slept with Bathsheba and murdered Uriah. What goes around comes around. David flees for his life. Absalom comes into Jerusalem. He goes into the king's concubines. There is war. And then there is a tremendous battle. It's out in the forest. The soldiers of King David, they think he's going to lose. Absalom comes out with a tremendous army. But at the end of the day, the rebellion is over and there are 20,000 men killed. There are 20,000 widows and probably 40,000 children without fathers. Absalom the charmer is riding a mule. He rides under a terebinth tree. He's caught up in the oak tree, hanging there with his long hair. Job hears about it. Job goes out. And David had said, deal kindly with the young man Absalom. But Job says, I don't care. And he takes three darts and he throws one, two, three, into the heart of Absalom. They cut him down, they find a big hole and they throw him into the hole and cover it over with stones. How did it start? 20,000 plus widows. God forgave David, but let the consequences work out. That's what he does with you and me. Uriah was dead. The baby was dead. Tamar was raped. Amnon was murdered. Absalom was executed. 20,000 soldiers were killed. And it started with an affair that started with a look out of the window. But Romans chapter 5 gives us hope. Romans 5 verse 20. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded 
much more. The mercy of God. David was restored. Romans chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 say these words, just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. In spite of these terrible sins, he was saved. His son Solomon by Bathsheba became the king after him and through his line, the Messiah was born. Amazing, isn't it? God knew how to handle his dual responsibilities. As a father, he loves. As a lawgiver, he upholds the law. On the cross, all of David's sins and mine were laid on him. So the Son of God did much better than David. He is the ultimate game changer. So if you feel, look at me, if you feel there's no hope for you, Remember this, if God could save David, he can save anybody. When I was a boy at college a few years ago, I learned this wonderful song, Wonderful Grace of Jesus, greater than all my sin. How shall my tongue describe it? Where shall its praise begin taking away my burden setting my spirit free for the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me remember where sin did abound grace did much more abound if God could save David he can save you and he can save me. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. John Carter reports, we have seen God's power as the gospel of Christ has been proclaimed in Africa, India, Russia, Ukraine, Cuba, El Salvador, and many other places. We invite you to partner with us in proclaiming Jesus Christ. God be the glory. Great things he has done. Write today to The Carter Report, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. That's The Carter Report, P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. In Australia, write to The Carter Report, P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. 
That's The Carter Report, P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. Thank you for your generous support. We look forward to hearing from you soon. May God richly bless you. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.